Father, we just come to you this morning and we love you. We, we desire to, to grow in you. And this morning, uh, we just bring all fatigue to you this morning, Lord. All uh, physical fatigue, emotional, mental uh, fatigue, Lord. Just any part of our lives where we are just been carrying a weight. Uh, we feel like we have not had any progress or, or, or uh, forward motion. And so this morning, we just kind of lay those things at your feet this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd fill this room. Uh, we, we welcome you, Spirit of Truth. We ask that you would begin to operate in us through the Word of God. And we ask that we'd continue to grow in, our, in the likeness of Christ, that we'd begin to seek Him and to know Him more through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And everyone said, Amen. Now, I will expect a little more interaction from you guys this morning. You guys are a little bit quiet today. And you can't do that because, we, you know, I have a can of soup with me this morning. I don't use props, so it might seem silly to you, but this is like a big step for me. I don't like using props, okay? What's going on this morning? You know, we're doing week three of our series, uh, The Art of Wrestling. The, the entire foundation for this series is the idea that we need to understand what faith is really like. And I think a lot of us have been taught that faith is it's this, it's, it's the spiritual kind of bubble we get into, where we find a way to look at everything in our lives and just think the best and speak the, you know, the best about it. And somehow in this space, when we're just trying to be positive, you know, the glass is always half full, somehow in that place, God's going to show up. And that's what He wants out of us. He wants us to learn to just to not accept hard things. And to find a way to when, to when life is terrible and it stinks, to find a way to say, it's blessed. And, and in this kind of a process, it's it, it sometimes dangerous for us because we, get, we just get the wrong image of what God is asking of us. We get the wrong image of the type of relationship that God wants from us. And so in this process, we use a story from Genesis. Uh, we see Jacob, who at that time, the name Jacob was famous for one meaning. It means he is the deceiver. He's the trickster. The, he's the one who, who always finds a way to get what he wants out of every situation, out of every person. And so in the story, basically his entire life is a process of, of kind of getting what he wants when he wants it. And then he finds himself stuck in a position where he can't fix it on his own. And so in this place, he, he ends up alone and isolated. And then this, this human, this figure shows up, which who, who we find out later, you know, if you would, is God. And he just decides to wrestle this, this God. And he begins to wrestle, and it goes all night long. And then when the morning uh, comes and the sun begins to rise, all of a sudden he is exhausted. And God chooses to, if you would, he, he kind of dislocates his hip, uh, uh, Jacob's hip, from his socket. And then somehow he, he, you know, God steps back and declares Jacob a winner. And then he gives Jacob this new name. And he says, you know, from now on you're not Jacob, you are Israel. Which this new name now means he who has wrestled with God. And so, if you've heard the name Israel before, have you heard that name before? Okay. In all the scriptures and all of history, Israel is associated with being the children of God. Here's God, here's his people, his children, his family. Israel is the name he gives his own children. And so he calls, if you would, the children of God, from this moment on, will be called those who wrestle with God. You guys are just And so what comes out of this place is that we begin to, if you would, we go back to the story, and we begin to kind of get ourselves back into this mindset of, 
okay, what does it look like to wrestle with God? What is it like to truly live by faith? And, and so in this whole process, you know, using this story as, as kind of our basis, the, the foundation for us, we see that what takes place every day for us, when we're trying to follow God, to obey God, we are wrestling, we are pushing, we're pulling, we're just, we're giving all effort just to survive. And I think the word survival sounds a lot more like most of our lives, I think. I think that'd be the most accurate word to describe what most of us do in life. You guys ever heard the, uh, the phrase, working for the weekend? Yeah? No one? I see no hands. You know, it's kind of a funny phrase. We kind of joke about it. But hidden inside this is this idea that we're just, the majority of our lives is this place that we just have to do it. We have to work. We have to go through these routines. We have to pay bills. We have to go through this, this you know, cycle of pain. And so we just have to do this. And the only carrot on the other end is the weekend. And it's just this idea that most of our life is just this, this stuff we just have to do. We're not really living most of the time, but we get these little pockets where we're truly alive and living. And so with this understanding, again, it just kind of paints this, this terrible picture of life. Life becomes this nonstop wrestling match. And those of us who, who kind of feel like we're winning at life are those who have found the most opportunities to just kind of, if you would, pause and breathe or pause and just do whatever it is you like doing. If it's watching the game, if it's going shopping, if it's going out on the lake, if it's you know, running, hiking, sports, blah, 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 we find these little respites. And that becomes what life is about. And so, in the midst of all this craziness, and striving, and pushing, and it's busy, and it's go, 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 and it's just, where does God fit in all this? And often, most of us realize He doesn't fit in this at all. Because we're so exhausted, we're so strained, just trying to survive, there's no room at all to make any other time for anything else to work with. And so the idea of a God who wants me to kind of go through this process and just kind of look at it and to call it what it's not, to look at crap and to call it cake, because that's what God wants. He wants me to speak, you know what, this life is terrible and I hate it, but because of you, God, I love it. This is great. I'm going to take a big bite. Finally, we're awake. Okay. Progress. Progress. And so in this process, it's just futile. And it becomes, it's only a matter of time until we hit something in life that's too painful, it's too big, it's too frustrating or trying or exhausting, and we hit this wall and we can't just call it something it's not. And when we hit this wall, we decide, if we're going to keep going, there's probably not going to be any room for God in this. Now, what I'd like to talk to you about today is our third week in this. In the first week, we talked about wrestling with God. Last week, we talked about wrestling with life. But this week, I want to talk about wrestling with, with ourselves, if you would. This is a can. See? It has dents in it. You guys are like, wow, this is profound. This guy's a genius, or he's an idiot. <laughs> One of the two. When I was growing up in Pennsylvania, one of the funky things we had, we'd go about 20 or 30 minutes out of town, and 
we would go to this Amish Benton Dent store. <laughs> it's awesome. And so, you know, you pull up to this, like, you know, it's like a weird shack barn looking thing, and there's horses everywhere, you know, in carriages. And you go inside, and it's all these, like, cans and boxes and just anything packaged, okay? And if it's been, like, stepped on, run over, kicked, whatever, it's in here. And it's, like, for, like, a penny. It's so cheap, okay? Which I'm not sure what was going on with you going there. I guess you weren't eating organic back then, were you? And so you just kind of go through the store, and you're just grabbing these broken cans and just kind of toss them in the basket. And it, I mean, for me, it was the coolest thing because, you know, you can get ice cream and all sorts of stuff, and it's just like a quarter. It was awesome. But, you know, in this process, it's an interesting thing because you're going through, and, you know, who, let me put this, who really wants to shop at a place where everything's broken? I mean, that's the entire idea of the store, right? It's a bent and dent store. There's nothing in this store that really works or is in like perfect condition. Everything in this place is broken. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we could talk a little bit about why we were shopping at that store, <laughs> but let's not do that, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Everyone who was, who was shopping at this place was shopping there for a reason. They didn't exactly have a, ch a choice, right? Anyways, yeah. The car, let, let, we'll say this. People who shop at the Benton Dent store have cars that are full of dents as well. <laughs> do, do you get what I'm saying? Okay. We're there because, eh, we don't really have a choice. We can afford broken stuff, but the good stuff, eh. And so this whole concept of, of shopping, knowing everything you buy is broken. It's all damaged goods. Now what's so funky about the passage that we read here, uh, like verses 8 and 9, it starts, talking, it starts comparing us to vessels, to these clay pots, these containers. Of course, we don't use clay pots anymore, but we use cans. And so I start thinking about this. Why in the world is God going shopping at the Amish Benton Dent store? No one laughs. Let me say it uh, straight. You and I, everyone in this room, we are damaged goods. Now, the only thing that separates us in this room is that some of us know it and accept it. And then others of us just haven't quite got there yet. But you have been run over, you've been kicked, you've been dropped. That's what we are. And so in this process of, you know, this whole series about faith, you know, it's... What happens is while we are surrounded by life and by busyness and people and circumstances and all this stuff... Most of us live all of our life right between the ears, in your head, right? It's, it's, all, it's all up here. It's 24-7 from the moment that we wake to when we sleep, we are wrestling with thoughts and feelings and emotions and, and ideas and frustrations and questions and motives, and we're constantly just doing, it's It's exhausting. Now we could do an entire series about how this world, how, how, how our culture has found ways to deal with this, right? 
Because, you know, this culture has, has accepted something, that this world stinks, and the only way to really enjoy this world is to escape it. And so we have an entire culture that is built around different ways to escape. And it doesn't matter what your escape is. If it's success, or a nice car, or a nice meal, foodies in here, anybody? I hate the fact that the Old Testament catches me every time. Sloth is a sin, right? You can have your meth all day long, but you put me in front of some sugar and some carbohydrates, right? I'll be having just as good a time as you are. You know, if it's money or if it's sex, if it's just material things, whatever. We have a culture, you know, if it's suicide. We have a culture about escape. And what happens is, when you're growing up as a child, you still believe that this world's a great place. And there's a point when you're getting older where you begin to have the veil pulled back. And you begin to realize that to live will take you to a place where you begin to experience how hard this life is. And so when you reach that place, you know, as an adult, if you would, it's really just a question of where am I going to go hide? Where will I hide? Will I hide at work, in my office? Will I hide, you know, in my computer online, you know, and all the awesome websites that men just frequent all the time, you know? Will I hide in my credit card? Will I hide in the activities of my children? Whew. Whoa. Whoa, Pastor, back up. Trust me, that's what I have to watch out for. Where will I hide? And the Psalms are so honest about this. You know, I, when I read the Psalms, it feels like the word hide or hiding place or hidden or, you know, withdrawal is a word that's, that's just kind of filled throughout the Psalms. And it's always this question of where will I choose to hide? Will I choose to hide within God or will I choose to hide outside of God? Because it's only a matter of time for you to realize that at some point you will not be able to handle the pressure of this world. And you will have to hide somewhere. And so when we're talking about faith, about trying to trust God, about wrestling, we have to end up here. That most wrestling is taking place inside. Most of the time, you are wrestling with yourself. Now, uh, to talk about this today, um, one of the analogies that's, that's kind of been in my head a little bit about this whole thing is submarines, if you would. Uh, we had this, this entire analogy for us where we have these, these, these ships which are able to just to do the opposite of what ships normally do. Ships normally do what? And ships normally stay on top of the water, right? But for some reason, someone had the crazy, stupid idea to say, what if we just wanted to not like, ride on top of the waves? What if we just wanted to like, go all the way into it? And so after all this experimenting, the one thing they found 
was that there's only one shape that's able to go and to handle the pressures, and it's a round shape. Because see, what happens is the deeper we go into the water, the more pressure begins to build. But see, when you go underwater, pressure, it comes in at all angles, on all sides. And so the only shape that's able to handle the pressure that happens when you go underwater is a cylinder, because it's able to, to equally take all the pressure. Now hold on to that. Because what we're talking about is these. At one point, this was a, a cylinder, right? At one point, you weren't as broken as you are now, correct? But then you met people. <laughs> yeah, amen. Or then your parents took you to church. <laughs> no, kidding. Okay, here we go. Um, the impact of pain, disappointment, or loss has left a dent of insecurity, fear, or even defense mechanisms on you. Okay, it's, it's, it's pain, it's disappointment, it's being let down by someone, it's being betrayed by someone, it's having a dream that you're waiting to happen and it just didn't happen. Expecting someone to come through for you and, and they didn't. Having someone in your life who was supposed to protect you, to support you, to be on your team, to be on your side, to have your back, and they don't. And it leaves a dent in you. And what happens with this is, if we take this can, if it was possible, and I were able to begin to take this under the water, farther and farther and farther. Each of these areas where there are dents are the places where the pressure would begin to, to, to increase. And eventually, where these dents are, are the places where this can would give way and the pressures would crush it. What happens is this. Life is like diving deep. It's like diving deep in the water because there are pressures on all sides at all times. Um... I sat down last night to write down all the, all the different pressures that we deal with. And it's just too many to even have a list, honestly. But we are surrounded by messages 24-7. Pressures, expectations, and needs, and, and judgments, and all these things that we heap on each other. There's the expectations of people around us. Our spouses, our kids, our, our friends, our uh, Co-workers, there's the media, there's culture, there's society, there's, there's body language, there's eye contact, there's tone, there's, there's all these things in your day that make you just want to run away and hide or use a defense mechanism, right? Pride, humor, cutting words, passive aggressiveness. You guys are the best, you passive aggressive bunch. I love you guys. If you have a problem with me, I'd rather you just come punch me in the face than be passive-aggressive. Can't stand that, right? Come on. Okay, so most of you are passive-aggressive. That was... Well, when I see you at Walmart, I'm turning the other way and walking away. <laughs> Happens to me every time I go to Walmart. There's somebody, right? And I've done it a few times, too. So when the pressures of this life find our dents. No amount of wrestling will stop the crushing that's about to take place. 
That's what happens for us, you know. Life will just begin to just put pressure on you, and it's just slowly working in on you. And it's just a matter of time until those weak spots, those, those dents, those hurts, those pains, those insecurities, those, those sore spots in your soul, if you would, those comments that, that they just seem to come up every time that someone will make, those, just those, that fear of failure, whatever it is, those trust issues, whatever they are, just it, the pressure will, it's just a matter of time, and the pressure will get just right, and we begin to just cave. So what happens for most of us is this. We dive into God, we dive into life, and we begin to go deeper and deeper, and it's good, and it's good, and it's good, until it's not. It's exciting, and it's fun, and we're, and we're, 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 we're taking in more of life, and even good things do this for us. Marriage is diving deeper. Having kids is diving deeper, okay? Getting a promotion at work is diving deeper. It's, you know, these are good things, but they're taking us deeper into more and more pressures and expectations. And we begin to dive deeper and deeper until it just finds that weak spot that we just can't fix on our own and just crushes us. And so we have to surface for a while. This is what divorce is, by the way. It's not two people falling out of love. It's two people going through the pressures of life until one of you or both of you begins to just break. You're not there for each other, and there's no one else there for you, and so you just got to surface. You got to get out of the pressure. You got to get out of the situation. The weight and the responsibility of marriage and, and parenting and, and jobs. And, and the truth is, we all go through this cycle. We just deal with it differently. And again, we've talked about this over and over again. Most of us in this room, spiritually, we go through these highs and lows. And we just, if you would, inverse that. There's, there's times where we're so excited about God, and we just dive deep. And then the pressure's just, and then we got a surface. And it all depends on how close we came to just cracking. That determines how long we have to stay on the surface. Some of you went so deep with God, but you just couldn't take it. There was something, and it just was too much. And so you've had to just kind of keep a distance from God, from, from you know, the kingdom. Just, that just, I have to just stay a little bit far enough away. I have to stay close enough to the surface to where I'm getting enough. But if I go too deep, I know what's going to happen. And what this process is, this is, this is a primary way that we experience the enemy's work in our life to steal, to kill, to destroy from us. It's these dents in us that just have never been able to just be popped out. So every time we choose to go deep with God, we just have to come back up and surface again. Guess of your Bibles, we're going to go back to that, that passage. Let's go to verse 7. So it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Chapter 4, verse 7. Here's what it says. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay 
to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side. Again, it's the image. We have that pressure. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despair. Perplexion is something that takes place eternally. It's this, it's this place of fear mixed with question marks. I don't know where God is. I don't know what to do. And because it's unknown, I'm, I'm feeling fear. Okay? It's this internal struggle to be perplexed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Now, we have to remember, too, that you know, these apostles who are sharing their story, again, you know, I would love to assume that we could all stand here and say, you know, I've been crushed but not destroyed. But most of us are saying, I understood the first part, the pressure, you know, the question part, the insecurity, the fear. I, I understand that. The whole, like, triumph thing and victory, I haven't quite got that part yet. Now, here's what I want to talk about in all this, okay, just the if you would, the, the bright side of the situation. Yes, we are a bunch of damaged goods. Yes, going deep in obedience with God and just life is going to cause us to continually go deeper into the bottoms. And it's going to cause us to be under increasing pressure. Yes, that's just the way it is. But the first thing I want to explain this morning about this is that you don't need to fight the pressure, meaning... The pressure is not the enemy. It doesn't matter what happens in your life, what junk or situations or people just being terrible or you know, your, your job situation being awful or sickness or illness or disease. These things, if we look at them just face value, are pressures that are going to break us. But the one thing that we have to understand about this and it's the hardest thing to kind of get our minds around. We don't need to resist these pressures. I'm not sure like how I used to think about this, but I think I used to believe that spiritual maturity, growing in Christ was like this process of, it was like, how does it say it in the Word? Uh, from, uh, from glory to glory. I hate that term. Because it gave me this image where it's like, I'm just like leveling up, you know? It's like riding an escalator. You just, you know, it's just taking you higher. You're like, glory to glory, you know? Like, I mean, we're just, we're all going up from here, you know? And it was this idea to where, you know, to be spiritually in it with God, where God's with you and you're with Him and it's all good and this is where we're supposed to be. It just, it, it has this illusion that everything was going to be and feel good, you know? And so, well, you know... When I started to ride the escalator, and I realized it was going down, <laughs> you know, wrong one. You ever tried to run up those, you know? Yeah, in high school, you did a really good job at it, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah. There comes a point where you just stop trying to run up the escalator, because you're like, this is just not worth it. I'm just going to, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm just going to let it take me where it's going to take me. On the path, um, what the lines here? It says, uh, we, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed. 
It's my uh, hope and passion for you that as you come to Grace Church, that you continually begin to see this motif, this image of death and life through all the Scriptures. The cross and the resurrection. This is the way that Paul speaks. He writes into everything he writes. And I hope that you see it everywhere in the Scriptures, and I hope that you begin to hate it and love it at the same time. Because it's everywhere. Now, I think the apostle, when he says this, I think he's talking about you know, actual physical things. He's, he's being you know, he's naked, being beaten, he's being shipwrecked. But I think it works both ways. I think this works also with the spiritual process we go through. Again, we, there's no way for us to get to life without going through death. You have to pass through it to get there. That is the way the Christian life works. We have to go down Okay, in order to get up, if that makes any sense to you. Okay, yes, sure, in some kind of Christ-like spiritual sense, it is glory to glory, baby. But if we're being honest, it is crap to crap. Come on, that's not a curse word, it's okay. We're, it's real, all right? It is, that's exactly what it is, and that's exactly what it feels like. And here's what the, the hardest part about it is. Everything that we've been taught about God and every one of our instincts says to run away from pain. Run. And it takes this supernatural trust, which we call faith, by the way, to stick with God when He's taking us to this place and it feels like it's not supposed to be this way. So many of of us have missed out on, if you would, growing up in the faith because we are so trained to run away from any form of opposition or frustration or problem or roadblock or pain. The moment someone lets us down or something falls through, it just doesn't work out, well, surely God's not in it because it's, you know, it's not working out. So we run away from it. Understand that God is not the one, if you would, who brings these things into our lives. But in this broken, messed up world, He is the one who knows that if we would just take His hand, He will lead us through this junk that He hasn't brought to us. He will lead us through it into this place we cannot get any other way. What I love about the Psalm 23 is is we see this this promise where he promises that even though we are going to be led down the valley of death, he's going to be with us. But most of us wishes he would say, oh, don't worry, there's the valley of death. I'm going to take you on a detour around that baby. And so when he begins to, to walk with us through this stuff, we just, we run. Here's the deal. The only place for these dents in you, the only place for these dents in your can, okay? The only way for these damaged goods to be made right again, for these dents to be worked out, for you to be healed and made whole where you can go deep, is for you to embrace God taking you deep. Because see, it's down under the pressure that He begins to to work these dents out of you. It's the only place. And I hate that. But pain and disappointment, 
frustration, questions, uncertainty, anger, insecurity. These are the only places where we will actually be honest with God. It's the only thing that actually peels back our layers and causes all the junk we hide to come to the top. It's the only place where we cannot fake it, we cannot hide from it, we cannot make it on our own. It's the only place where we are fully reliant on God. I would love to say that when everything is going perfect that I am super reliant on God. But I think everyone in this room would acknowledge those are the times when we are the least reliant on God. There is something about being in this place where we just can't take it anymore that we actually begin to lean in and to hold on to Him when we actually have no other options. So here's the thing with all this. I'm going to end with the passage um, in the Message Bible. Just the last two verses. It says this. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebrations prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, but they're gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. The only way to fail this process, the only way to not grow up, the only way to not, to not let God heal you is to say no. The only way to, to not allow the surgeon to do surgery to heal you is to fight the surgeon, to run away from the hospital. Okay. I'm not sure. About, uh, it's Pastor Larry, four guys up here. When he came out of heart surgery, and he, he woke up, and, and he's got all these tubes and things that he, he can't, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just, you could see it in his eyes. He, he, you know, you, you tell, he feels like he's drowning. All the tubes everywhere. His reaction was to pull it out and run. So what'd they have to do? <laughs> tie those arms down. Unfortunately, God won't tie your arms down, okay? The trick is this. When you feel like you're drowning, this is the place to embrace it. To embrace what God could do. God did not put you there. But He can use this situation, these pressures, this place to do healing and do work that cannot be done any other place. I wish that going in for surgery for things that we really need was like going in for like a day spa. It just felt perfect and it felt so good and it had the great music going on and then like the soft sheets. But the hospital is the most uncomfortable place in the world and you want to get out of it as fast as you can. But if you're in there, the odds are you need to be in there. Don't run. And so just embrace this. What God's going to use is going to be people. It's going to be situations that you would never put yourself in. People that you would never probably be friends with, all right? And choices that you would probably never make on your own. But these are the things that He will use to work those dents out. This is the process of wrestling by faith. Would you guys stand with me?